Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Monday, Jilly Flatty and producer Becky are with me in the studio. Kate is in training ahead of that massive Conti Cup semi-final on Thursday night. And Jesse is on their holly bobs in Barcelona. We'll be getting a report from the continent later in the week, I'm sure. But what a hectic weekend of football. So much drama, so many big results. And Becky, I know you had a busy weekend because you came bounding into Spotify HQ today with some reports. Tell us about your weekend. Um, So I played football at the weekend um, and went to the pub afterwards. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Went to the pub afterwards. There's loads of us. Obviously, we're all in our kit, like some Goldigger scarves, some hats. And we sat in the garden part. And what pub is this as well for context? Um, I actually could not tell you because <laughs> okay. the Six Nation was on. Uh, and we were in Finsbury we we Park one. and we had to like search for a pub that right, okay. had space. So that's why we were in the garden. And we were leaving. It was just me and my friend Liz left at the end. <laughs> as we were like just like packing up our stuff, the bar lady comes out and it's like taking our glasses away. And she like looks up at Liz and she's like, good luck. And Liz was like, oh, yeah, thanks, babe, yeah. And I was like, after she left, I was like, what is she saying good luck for? And Liz was like, oh, well, she asked about, like, us as a football team and, like, that we seemed really happy and, like, had we won something. And so I told her that we just got promoted to the WSL. (laughs) (laughs) And she was just like, cool. She's like, oh, that's amazing. Like, great. Like, good luck. You know what? She's probably going to be expecting to watch you guys, like, in play for England soon. Like, get on the pub. Like, yeah, put, put my girlies on. It was just, it's so funny to me because... No, no one else was around when Liz had this conversation with her. It was just her just at the, the bar. bar. Yeah, so she's well, lying for fun. I do know that the world's end in Finsbury Park. Mm. They do. I've watched WSL in there before. I've watched some of the Sunday night games. So if you are looking for a pub that will show women's football yeah, in Finsbury Park, it wasn't the world's end. It was further um, down than that because that was full of Six Nations wankers. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> not our scene for sure. Um, but yeah, it was a very hectic weekend of footy. I feel absolutely exhausted but in a good way. Um, We had some really surprising results, some maybe not so surprising results. Um, We also had, not long after we recorded the Monday show... All that Alessia Russo transfer it's drama. So annoying. Could you not so have done annoying. it pre-Monday show? <laughs> Literally Now hours. we're like a week late. I know. So obviously all the weekend action happened with the backdrop of that as well. And also we've got the squad for the Arnold Clark Cup, obviously the most iconic and important football tournament in the world. Uh, the England squad for that is coming out tomorrow. So we're also going to maybe touch a little bit on that. So, let's get into it after this. So, some big results. Let's start, I think, with last night, Sunday night, Arsenal dropping points against West Ham in Dagenham, on Sky, live on the on the big screen. And it was a really exciting game. I think one of... I know it sounds really cringe and like cliche to say, but I think one of the best nil-nils I've watched. Um, But often, if you look at that scoreline, you'd be like, oh God, but that was a terrible game. But actually really, really exciting. And a game and a result that 
I think confirms that Arsenal could be out of the title race because they are now five points behind Chelsea who are top of the table. Arsenal have played one game less. But it feels like, and I don't know if you agree, Gillian. I know you're watching it, it on in your slippers on the sofa. Um, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like this could be the nail in the coffin for Arsenal's title hopes for yet another season. Yeah, I, mean, I think watching the game, like like I said, Arsenal, they couldn't finish their dinner. Like they could have been there till midnight. That's I, what I felt. I could, we could have been there for days, and they never would have scored. But then I don't feel like when their chances come I didn't ever feel really confident they were like clean cut like a couple of times um, what's it you had like uh, Catley was crossing in and there weren't really people in there or like Blackstinius the ball was trapped under her, her feet it was just I don't know I think West Ham set up really well and it's one of them ones where if you go and be on the front foot and you go and press high it could against a team like Arsenal it could end up either one or two ways you know um, but I think like they was in their face obviously in the second half it was all, all West, um, all Arsenal. Like I mean, West Ham was so deep, but they defended really well. Uh, Mackenzie Arnold had a had a great performance in goal. But yeah, you're looking at those sort of games. Obviously, Arsenal would be looking at West Ham as in to be taking the three points. Like they can't afford to be dropping points, especially not against teams that are lower than them. Yeah, Jilly, you've played in those games, like you mentioned, at West Ham, where you have tried to perhaps take it to the bigger sides and come undone. And, and you know, it, it's gone terribly wrong. But I, I agree with you. I think, you know, Paul Koncheski deserves a lot of credit for how he set up today. Didn't bring Kate on early enough, which, you know, we'll talk about that maybe later. But um, I think overall, you know, they set up really well and they frustrated Arsenal from the off. Uh, Howard Sissoko had a brilliant game. Like, nothing was getting past her. Mel Phil is so physical so strong Emma Schnurler back obviously recently from injury she was really good and Mackenzie Arnold in goal you know had to pull off some really good saves but it does feel like there's becoming a bit of a pattern with Arsenal at the moment and I wrote about this in my piece from the game last night that Manchester United game at the Emirates where they lost 3-2 I felt like they should have seen Manchester United off in that game when they went 2-1 up that should have been done and dusted against Chelsea when they ended up conceding that late equaliser uh, through Sam Kerr. That, I think, is another game they should have been high and dry, out of sight, and they let Chelsea back in. If they'd won that game, the whole narrative and their position this season could have been completely shifted. And then last night, again, they had 21 shots, I think, in total, none of those on target, very similar to you know some of the other stats they've had this season. I think in the Chelsea game, they had seven shots on target, obviously drew that game one all. And it just feels like... The confidence is slow, so low at the moment. And I was looking at on Twitter today and I saw that um, the last player, the last forward to score that wasn't Viviana Miedemar was Katie McCabe. And obviously, you know, she can play everywhere. She's very versatile. But it was Katie McCabe who scored against Aston Villa on the 11th of December. So since then, a forward hasn't scored in the league. And Gilly, I don't know what you think, but I was asking you on the side of, well, you know, what, what do you do? are the team low on confidence you know what's the issue and he just said there is an issue because we scored nine against Leeds and we scored nine against Zurich and we scored three against Aston Villa but I think it's quite plain to see on the pitch there is a massive issue yeah and like I said to you earlier like with the Leeds game like yes you scored nine but you got it's hard to compare that when they're so low down fourth tier yeah like we said 
in all fairness, you probably should be looking. It's no disrespect to Leeds, but as a professional outlet in regards to Arsenal and who they are, you should be looking at like double figures for that. But I just think, like, obviously, people were saying yesterday online, like with Blackstinius, like if there's rumours that she was potentially being offered to go to Man United to, for Russo. As a, as a striker, where's your confidence at when you're the only really number nine that's fit? Whether it's true or not, obviously we won't really know. But if it is true and you're the one being offered at, for me, I'm just like, well, obviously clearly my manager don't really rate me if he's offering to ship me out for another forward. But I just think when you look at like City... Obviously, for example, they played obviously Leicester and watching their first half was very similar, I think, to uh, the West Ham Arsenal game where they, they were finding it really hard to to break Leicester down and Leicester's goalkeeper had an, an, an amazing game. But they looked threatening every time they went forward. And I think like even the, the chances that they were creating were like, like on the edge of your seat, you know, where I feel like with Arsenal watching that, I just didn't, there was no belief from me that I didn't feel like they was going to put the ball away. So if fans are thinking that or neutrals are thinking that, surely the players are going to be feeling that as well. Like obviously the possession they had yesterday was ridiculous compared to West Ham, but I still watching them didn't think that they was going to bury the ball in the net, Um, which I think is the difference when you're looking at, I mean, like look at Chelsea, they still, I don't think play the best, but in the sense of when they're playing, there's never any doubt when their forwards are going through, whether it be Kirby, whether it be Kerr, uh, right, and they look like they're going to put the ball away, and and they do. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I mean United. Uh, we'll get onto United, obviously, but yeah, like, we're going to get onto City. We're going to go Chelsea. We're going to get onto United because it was a packed weekend. <laughs> no, I'm just going to you know I'm just making sure that people know. Um, it's like the same as United, and. And Arsenal, when when Chelsea are, you know, nil-nil in like, I mean, look, like, look at them against Arsenal, like, you know that they're going to come back and score. You just like, they have that belief and you, you're just like, I don't want to get my hopes up that they're not going to score. Not that I want them to lose, but, you know, if you're a fan of the opposite team, like, you don't want to get your hopes up that they're not going to just like pull it out of the bag somehow. But with Arsenal and United, it's like much less likely and like there's much less belief that they're just going to be able to do it. And that comes through winning. You know, that that comes from the fact that Chelsea have won the last three WSL titles and they have world-class players there that they know, even if they're not playing that well, Sam Kerr will pull it out of the bag for them somehow. And Lauren James in unreal form and we're going to touch on her very shortly. But I want to just bring it back to Arsenal because you're right, Jilly. I felt like, and I don't know how it came across watching on television, but being there in daggers, I certainly felt like from the off, you could feel this... Russo shadow lurking on the pitch you know West Ham fans a few of them were doing some kind of jibes and chants when Blackstenius hit over in the first half saying you know you're not Alessia Russo essentially and I'd cry if that happened to me it was it was, it was awkward <laughs> and that's why I'm not a professional I'd get myself subbed off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm off and then when Blackstenius came off in the second half I can't remember maybe around 70th minute she was not happy. There was some dagger looks. And, and daggers and daggers. Daggers and daggers. That's, that's the name of the, uh, the episode. Um, and yeah, there was just a tension felt there. And you're right, Jilly, you can't ignore the elephant in the room, which was that Arsenal at one point, if reports are, are correct, which, you know, Sky and a few others reporting, reporting that Black Tennis was offered as part of the deal, 
you can't ignore if you're if you're seeing the Black Senius or if you're the rest of the squad what was going on and it feels like that is still lurking there and it's going to carry them forward they've got a game against City this week for the Conti Cup and yeah it just feels like there's this kind of negative shadow around them at the moment and I don't know what is going to be the thing that breaks them through and Vivian Amidamar and Beth Mead are out now. That's it. You know, they're not going to be back for another probably eight months or so. So they have to move forward with what they've got. The window's closed. They have to make it work. But it feels like they need to they need to get something to move forward. And I don't know what that is as a team. And Jilly, you probably got experience having maybe been in similar situations, but it feels like right now they're at such a, a potentially crossroads moment in their season. And I and it's maybe it's just about Blackstenius finding form, but she scored in the cup. So and she scored in the Champions League. So why is that not translating into the WSL? I think I think from a player's point of view, like confidence is huge. And I think obviously it's it's gonna have an effect on her the last week or so. Even if she would be someone who'd say, No, it's not bothered me, naturally it would. And I think obviously Sky zoomed in on her towards the end of the game and she just looked like I don't know, just so sad. Like and then just, I just think he ain't come out once and said like Black Stinius is my number nine, I rate her, do like she's gonna lead for us and all this. It's sort of like well, yeah, we wanted a striker. It didn't happen. We know we need a striker. But you you now can't change that. So you've now got to get behind what you've got. And I think when you watched her game yesterday, there is no... From, for a striker who's got confidence, a big touch out their feet, you, you watch them when they have a strike of a ball, like you fancy them, you know, to put it away. But for me, she looks like a player who doesn't have confidence. Like a couple of times in the first half, the ball ran through and she just weren't there. Or they were saying at half time as well that... She don't like, there's some chance where she should be screaming for the ball to mm. say, pass me the ball. But it's sort of, I'll just sort of stay out of the way and let someone else take it on. Whereas as a number nine, a number nine is naturally a selfish player because they want to score goals. They have to be. So I think in that sense as well, but she just needs confidence. He needs to, listen, he needs to get around her and, and fans and players show that support for someone, you know, if I'm being offered or I know that someone's being brought in to replace me and then that person ain't come in and now I've got to step up, just put an arm around her shoulder and say, listen, but come out publicly about it and say, right, yeah, we did want to get a striker, but it's not happened and she's my number nine and, and I've got full trust in her. Like, be public about it. Another damning stat as well, and, and, and Katie McCabe also not starting yesterday and there were reports about her future and Chelsea coming in for a bid late in the window. She also didn't start. Lena Hurtig started in her place. So it feels like there's more tension there as well. But another damning stat for Arsenal. It's the first time since February 2022 that Arsenal have not won in consecutive WSL games. So like you say, Jilly, for a club of their history, their stature... Not winning in two consecutive WSL games is huge because they need to be in and around the the title hunt. And it feels like last night was massive as well because I think there are now a few frustrations in the Arsenal fan base who have been very patient, having not won the league since 2019, not won a trophy since 2019. I think they have been pretty patient, but I think last night felt like a turning point because those frustrations now are, are getting bigger and louder and people are starting to get a little bit worried about, you know, could this be another trophyless season for them? Huge game 
against Man City on Wednesday night in the Conti Cup semi-final. A must-win, really, and they haven't got many days to turn it around. But let's move on to one of the other big stories from the weekend, uh, which was Manchester United dropping points, which opened the door for Chelsea to go top. And this was a brilliant weekend for Chelsea. It couldn't have gone any better for them because Arsenal dropped points, Manchester United dropped points. They have now a nice two-point gap ahead of Manchester United and that five-point lead uh, over Arsenal. So Emma Hayes just... She's laughing. Laughing all the way to the bank, really, (laughs) because you, you brought it up, Becky, that ruthlessness, it helps as well when I feel like... Chelsea almost know mentally if we just go and do our thing which sometimes we can do without getting out of third gear we saw it in the FA Cup game against Liverpool and I felt like against Spurs it was more of the same they never really actually had to enter their absolute finesse best Chelsea mode she could almost sit there and say we'll just grind we'll just do our thing because I know that the teams behind us will probably drop points and you know what for the last three seasons maybe let's not count the Covid one She's right because it keeps happening. Yeah, and I just think obviously they don't have to be at their best, Chelsea, to win. Um, but you know that there's there's trust. You know there's belief when they're going into games. They're not going into games thinking anything else other than we're going to win today. We're going to win. It's just about how we win. And you're looking at obviously like the Tottenham game. It's a scrappy pitch, like they said. Like it's not the best pitch to play football on, but they find a way to win. Um, and obviously all the other results went their way. But that's why I think that's what I think the difference is with Chelsea is they have that man that mentality. They Emma always says about before like whether Chelsea are better off being second and chasing or whether they're better off being first. But I think maybe. When I was there and it was new to us, we were better being second and chasing City, who were ahead of us, because I think that it sort of took the pressure off of us as players. And you were sort of underdogs at the time, whereas they're definitely yeah, not that now. Because we'd never really experienced it. But now you're looking at how time's gone on and Chelsea, how they've been top most of the seasons, every season... Now it's a different... It's a different... It's a mentality of we can handle being first. Like... How do Man-, Man United handle being first? How do Arsenal handle it? Like City, I don't really feel like I've been near it the past mm-hmm. couple of seasons anyway. But it's that changing mentality now where they don't care if they're top for the whole season because they've got beliefs that they can hold that position. We have to talk about Beth England's celebration. Because I have so many thoughts. <laughs> we have so many thoughts about it. Right. So I saw a, a, an interview that she did with Joe Curry on Football Focus, right, where she was talking about if she scored against Chelsea and how she wouldn't celebrate out of respect. And it was a very serious interview. Um, and I thought, OK, I'm really excited to see if she does score, what's going to happen. She was, I'm sorry. I, Honestly, I love her. She's doing too much. It was too much because the girl didn't even smile, Jilly. There she is, just there walked is, away like there is frowning. Res- <laughs> there is respect and then there is pretending that the goal didn't happen. Look, who ran into her and bounced off yeah, of her? Was yeah. it Iribucci? Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then kind of realised like, that mm. she was like not happy and then went and celebrated with someone else <laughs> it was too, it was too much what did drew spence do because it was uh drew spence did a uh, smiled yeah. she didn't do a big celebration but she did smile yeah. i think you can smile yeah, like when i scored against chelsea Crack when i went back and everyone jumped on knees, top of me and down the other end <laughs> <your weight bands. laughs> the second guy would have done that but i said i weren't going to celebrate and then i did yeah. and everyone come and jumped to me but i was happy and yeah like you can still also, be like you chelsea fans love her they're not gonna, yeah, they're not gonna disown her because she's like woo i'm sorry but 
they benched you for like a whole season and then got rid of you because they didn't want you. And you're not even going to crack a smile yeah, when you know. like, It was too much. It's like after a breakup, right? When you're like... Here we go. <laughs> How long you got? <laughs> it's like... I mean, this is not me, but I see TikToks oh, about people being okay. like... Okay, yeah. All right. No, because I'm, I'm not graceful. And <laughs> I have no respect for anyone. <laughs> I don't take a breakup gracefully. But I see TikToks, people being like, you know, I like gracefully like didn't say anything to my ex when we broke up and like didn't kick up a fuss. And that I regret it. It's like, she's like, it's so soon after she's left and she's like, no, I'm going to be respectful. I think she'll regret that. She'll be like, nah, actually, in a couple months, she'll be like, fuck you, I should have celebrated. I agree. I think that would be the perfect way to say, look what you're missing. Yeah. And obviously, Spurs lost the game, but... Beth England has been brought in to score goals and she's started pretty well at Tottenham. So I feel like she should be flaunting it. Look, I would celebrate in front of the away fans kissing my badge because I'm a shit house. <laughs> yeah. I can understand why she won't want to do that, but crack a smile. Crack a smile at the, at the very least. least. Okay. Come on. Well, I'm glad we covered that because I couldn't believe it. We were texting we were texting each other saying, what are you, just smile, hon. Like, what the hell? It's terrible. It's it was honestly. just so bizarre. Anyway, um, now we... Wait, also, here we go. On Beth England. Yeah. Can we talk about her proposal? Yes. Good. Very cute, but also looks like she's marrying the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Will you marry us? Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations to Beth England on uh, on her engagement uh, that was announced on Saturday morning. But also, yes, are you marrying your dogs? We have to ask. There's actually, there's actually some really cute videos of her like showing her ring to the Chelsea players and oh, her friends and she arrived. Yeah. That's really cute. And her being like flaunting the ring to the camera. <laughs> Do you know what I was wondering as well? Because um, Steph Catley was wearing gloves last night. It was very cold. She also, congratulations, recently got engaged to her partner who plays uh, for Sutton United, goalkeeper. Do, do do people wear their engagement rings on the pitch? It feels dangerous because you know how jewelry, some right? yeah, but you know how some footballers tape their yeah. ring. Yeah, and you're stuff. not allowed to. But some of them put like the. Um, I remember when Crystal Dunn was at Chelsea, she used to wear like a like it's like a rubber right, sort of ring. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, you're not you're not allowed to because if something happens to your finger, yeah, it would yeah. and you break up. it, it would swell up, and then also you could. Bosh, I'm couldn't you really? If you've got a big Bosh. diamond in there. Yeah, well, we know what you're like, Jilly. We heard about the Kirby grip gate, so we can't trust you for that. If, we, my, if I got married to some, to a footballer and they didn't wear a rubber ring, I'd be like, obviously, like, what's the point? Or like, might even if they your don't, wag. If they don't like, kiss the ring finger say, when they celebrate, like, what you, am I doing here? Would you demand a ring finger kiss, yeah, Sally? absolutely. Would you also want a baby bump one when you're prego? Would you want that? Put the baby I wouldn't be sure. the one carrying the baby. That's not for me. <laughs> not for me. No, I'm not about that life. Right, now we've got the um, celebration discourse out the way. <laughs> Let's talk about Lauren James. Because, yes, the defending was... Interesting, and I want to get on to uh, Jilly Flatty defenders defend, uh, defending corner in a minute for some discourse on that. But Lauren James, she was ridiculous on Sunday. She's ridiculous every week, and I am so excited about the prospect of her playing at the World Cup in the summer, just how her game is getting better and better and better. Because Jilly, she just plays with this aura that anything can happen, and also so comfortable on the ball and is so unique because in across the men's and women's games, I don't think you see many players like this where the ball just is stuck to her feet like glue. It's it's crazy. Yeah, she just glides. I, I feel like, again, I feel like she's someone who don't change gears. She's just like, 
one speed, but you can't get near her. Um, but what I liked most was Emma afterwards when she said there's still stuff she needs to work on positioning-wise defensively. Um, and I think that's what's good about Emma is that she will praise you and she'll big you up, but at the same time, she makes sure that you don't run away with it, which is a worry, actually, with a young player that is, you're this, you're that, you're fantastic, you're great. But it's also making sure that we don't lose her um, and, and get to away. Because in the Champions League, for example, it's going to be a different kettle of fish. Like defensively, you can't just really afford to have a player forward-wise who don't want to defend. Like you, not in that level. WSL, you can probably get away with it. But I think she just plays with such freedom. Whether she wants to get the ball and dribble halfway across the pitch, like she's allowed to do that. Um, but yeah, I think she's just flourishing. I think it's good because they nurtured her, they looked after her last season, and I think Emma's really good because she takes the pressure off her players. Um, so there will be same when Frank Kirby come on the scene. Like Emma looks after her because naturally a lot of people are going to be talking about her. There's going to be pressure on her, and again, international level is another step up. So going to the World Cup, hopefully she gets picked, picked, but going to the World Cup, it's going to be a different level and you've got to protect those players because football is up and down, naturally. Um, and there will be down moments coming for her. So it's just about looking after her now so she's prepared for those moments too. It's also like what we were saying before about how Chelsea just have that belief that they're going to win. Like You can play with such such freedom in a team like that because you're not like, oh, if I fuck it up, like they're going to go down the other end and score. Like You just have that mentality that it will be fine if I give this a go and it doesn't work out um, and she's good enough for it to work out but you have to have that like confidence and freedom from well, the rest of the team I know you love the shithouse chat so yep. did you see Lauren James pitch side afterwards when they told she her she accidentally said Brighton no <laughs> oh, that's oh. did you see that part no I didn't see that, that she was, that she was, was like asking about the game and she was like yeah yeah Brighton uh, uh, I mean <laughs> <laughs> okay I didn't see that but that's funny no when um, when Rashman said to her about United dropping points obviously her former team she went come on you blues <laughs> it was really funny it was really funny I enjoyed that so let's get on to that Manchester United game next Chelsea go to the top of the table thanks to Manchester United dropping thanks points. Thanks to Everton. Well, thanks to Big weekend to be sorry, a blue. Big weekend to be a blue. That was harsh. Thanks to a massive performance from Everton. And to be fair, right, on last week's Monday show... You were slagging them off. I was <gasps> slagging them off. And Jesse was very good at defending them <laughs> and saying, you know, careful now because just because they lose to a championship team uh, doesn't mean... Their, their days numbered and it's crisis. Jesse had seen some good foundations and I will have to admit, I haven't watched a ton of Everton this season. So there you go. I terrible was, take. Terrible, terrible take. Terrible take. Terrible One take. of many, as always. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway, Everton really pulled out the bag and had to ride the wave after Manchester United had them on the ropes. It was a very similar pattern and very similar vibe to Arsenal's res result against West Ham. They did have a lot a lot fewer shots on target than um uh, than Chelsea did. There were some strays, that's for sure. Uh, this 67% possession though, 25 shots, 24 on target. 25 shots and I know from reading Manchester United fans tweets and reading the post-match comments there are are concerns around their lack of efficiency in front of goal at the moment and you know the 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 maybe 
disappointing performances from Alessio Russo off the back of a huge Euros. But hats off to Everton because this is a massive result that has huge title title implications. And you made the point that Sean Dykeball is coming yeah, for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it's just a culture. She's it's suddenly there. It's a culture. There. It's there. 32% possession for Everton. doing the bleep test as well. I hope so. I think everyone's <laughs> got to do it. Um, and yes, yeah, some good foundations to, to work from for Everton. But United will be feeling really frustrated because I feel like this sort of result has been building. And that's probably why United fans are so frustrated because they certainly felt like in some of their games, talk about the Reading game recently, they've been clinging on for dear life a little bit. And it, I think a lot of them felt like this was a result that had been, you know, on, on the horizon. And probably too early to say if this defines the rest of their season because they're only two points behind Chelsea. They're, they're still very much in the title race. But after all that chaos with Alyssa Russo this last week and her, you know, still not signing that new contract and we don't know whether she will, they now really need to kickstart the rest of their season and also pick up points, certainly in that reverse fixture at Kings Meadow against Chelsea, Jilly. Otherwise, they could let this slip through their fingers. Yeah, and this is what I say where Man United haven't been in this position before in a sense of this high up the table. And obviously the past couple of seasons, they've been really pushing to get in the Champions League spots. But they've not been in this position before. Um, and this is where I feel, for me, this is when, like, for example, as, as player-wise, the experience that they, those players in there, not necessarily all of them have that experience. Um, and it is tough. And I know, like, you're looking at, we're talking about Blackstinius and how she must feel after what happened last week. Like, the same with Alessia. Like, you've got to protect her. Like, obviously, there's talk of her going, she's only a young player and potentially to have a £500,000 price tag put on your head and the record... That sounds like she's just on a bounty. They're coming for her. <laughs> I'm not going for you, don't worry. But to have that wrapped around you at a young age and you're looking at it, she's been out in America for however many years doing college and that. She's not been in this league for that yeah. long. You have to protect those types of players and she's only young and she's obviously gone to the Euros really not probably not meaning to be like a main number nine obviously she come on a lot and scored again but it's about protecting those players who haven't had that exposure before like she's still a young player like coming back she's just gone to obviously that's her first Euros in the senior team She's gone to there. I mean, she scored the world of a back heel. You know, like everyone's talking about that. She's now a Euro winner. She's come back. She's not probably had really much of a break. She's then now having to lead the line. She comes to January. She's got a 500k price tag. She she might be going. She might be staying. Is she signing a new contract or not? Whilst also trying to deal with being the number nine and holding all that pressure as being a young player. Like, take it off her. I know obviously there was talk about Adriana Leon not even in the squad and... He was saying she's not in the squad because of not for tactical or not she's not injured or anything, but she had to do extra sessions or something. Yeah, he but said he said that there were some things that he wants her to work on, and then and he's waiting for her to show those improvements. Basically, but you, you you got a, a, a player there who similar to Alessia in the sense of um, she holds the ball up, she's physical, she's strong. Maybe I know it's obviously a game against Evan that you want to win, but maybe take that pressure off of her a little bit and just go, right, I'm not just going to solely rely on you. Because if she does go at the end of the season, 
I know obviously it's a chance then for them to bring in new recruits and stuff, but what happens if tomorrow, hopefully it don't happen, but what about tomorrow if she got injured? What are they going to do then? Like, And that's what I feel. I just feel you've got to protect the players because they're young they're young English talent and we want them to be playing for the foreseeable you know we've got to look after the, the mental side of the game too I think this game was was a prime example this weekend as a whole was a prime example of where Chelsea's depth over United is certainly going to shine through and I know United fans were frustrated about the lack of changes the lack of trying to solve the problems that arise for United from Mark Skinner and 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 when you know when they see that things aren't working he's quite late to make changes and I think that's the frustration that a lot of them have but when you look at what they've got to work with compared to what Chelsea have got to work with it is very different but there are still players I think that perhaps fans maybe expect a little bit more from. And Nikita Paris scored two goals in that FA Cup win against Sunderland. She comes on yesterday, but she's not really hitting the mark in the WSL in Manchester United. And in terms of reinforcements that you want to throw on to, to make the difference, she's not really that player right now. Vilda Boerisa didn't even come on the pitch yesterday. It just feels like even the depth that United have at their disposal, perhaps Skinner's not tapping into. And he trusts his players. You you would trust Leah Galton, Player of the Month, Alessia Russo, you know, one of the most in-demand strikers right now, Ella Toon, phenomenal player. You would trust them. But I think sometimes you've got to realise like it's not working. We've got to switch it up. And... You know, United still have so much to play for and they still could win the title, but... It, perhaps it's not surprising given the, the narrative and the stories around the week that this result happened because there was just so much noise. There was so much noise for the Arsenal camp and so much noise for the United camp and both of them end up dropping points. Perhaps it's not the biggest surprise in the world. But we've also got to move on to talk about the other team in Manchester because City have quietly been going about their business. And I was tweeting about, you know, what a weekend for Chelsea. Everything's coming up Millhouse. And Sue, shout out Sue, you know, best listener ever. Um, she said, yeah, but actually what a weekend for Manchester City because they were at one point in third uh, because they played er- er- earlier in the weekend on Saturday, beat Leicester, Arsenal end up getting a point and going back into third. So City are in fourth, but they're level on points with Arsenal having played an extra game. But they've been quietly going about their business and having maybe a week ago, I would have thought, you know, they're clinging on to Europe perhaps for dear life and obviously I think still think a title race is beyond them. But really they've been quietly, quietly going about their business and they're now very much in the conversation right on Arsenal's heels with that Arsenal game not so long away and they could leapfrog Arsenal and really establish, establish themselves in that third Champions League spot, Jilly. I know we talked about the fact that they missed a lot of chances in that game against Leicester, but the fact is they got it done with some of the individual quality that they have, which they do, uh, you know, over rely on. I think, but the point is they got it done against a Leicester side that were clinging on for dear life, thanks to a phenomenal performance from their lonely goalkeeper Janina Leipzig from Bayern Munich. She was brilliant, and we're going to get onto her in a minute. But City got the job done and kind of putting themselves in contention definitely for Europe again. Yeah, and I think, you know what, it might help in the sense of City because it's sort of that pressure comes off of you. Like, realistically, the way other the other teams um, have picked up the points and stuff, they could be, you can understand them going, well, listen, do you know what? We're out of the Champions League or we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on 
going to get a cup this year. You know, obviously they're still in the, the competitions. But I just think with them, like watching the game, that it was very similar in the sense of Leicester um, were being hard to break down. And obviously City had so many chances in the first half that they just, I mean, the keeper had a fantastic game. But it's one of those games where I thought they could be playing here for 90 minutes and she's going to have a worldie and it's going to be a nil-nil. But they fanned it, you know, and I just think there's only so many times Bunny Shaw needs a chance before she puts it away. Um, and that's what I think with them, their front three of Chloe Kelly, Bunny Shaw and Lauren Hemp, like it is frightening. Um, and they, But they, the good thing is they keep creating the chances um, and they, they break them down, which is obviously the difference between Man United and afterwards. They didn't do. They still obviously had a lot of chances, but they didn't do it. Um, so I think maybe it might be helping City being lower and it's sort of that pressure's off the whole because normally it is the whole Chelsea Man City Arsenal sort of going for the title and obviously the last obviously was it the last year where they was when they obviously before they lost everyone player wise but they was right down near the bottom and obviously then when the pressure come off them they was like unbeaten the rest of the season and went back up again so I think obviously with how United's doing I think Champions League potentially could be tough with them but obviously it's reliant on like the likes of Arsenal like if they keep dropping points and City pick up the points there's going to be a change there but yeah but I think I mean I think they played really well on Saturday um, and, they, and they took their chances when they come. City were frustrated thanks to a phenomenal performance from Janina Leipzig. She was very busy and nearly kept her side in it and, and, and secured a very important point. Unfortunately, I think, Jilly, I want to talk about this WSL Defenders Corner because I think Leicester will still likely go down, sadly in part to the fact that the back line in front of Leipzig isn't really strong enough, isn't really experienced enough to support her. And we had a listener question about Leipzig's impact and whether that's going to be enough to save Leicester. But I certainly feel like even with uh, what seems to be a, a, a very talented goalkeeper there, that back line doesn't have what it takes. And there's kind of a pattern, I think, with defending in the WSL right now where it has been quite poor this season from top to bottom, um, which is surprising I think but Spurs on the weekend I thought there was some really shocking defending from experienced WSL players and I don't know what it is right now whether teams need to take things back to basics and just get organised before anything but do you firstly feel like Leicester have what it takes to stay up now that they've got this foundation with the goalkeeper? I feel like it's a little bit too late Um, I mean I think she had a fantastic game but it's hard to rely on her to make every single save. And that's what I say about sometimes with teams. Like, for example, when I was at Liverpool, we'd say there's a lot of pressure on the defence because if we're not scoring chances or you know that we're only going to create maybe one or two, there's a lot of pressure on the defence because you want us to have really a perfect game because we can't afford to concede. Um, but I just think, like, I, obviously I've watched all or majority of the games and just listening to, like, co-commentators or people talking about it, like... We don't really highlight the defensive um, issues. Like a lot of it is, oh, fantastic from the forwards. And for example, Lauren James, yeah, she does really well, comes across, skips past Keris Harrop, runs across the pitch. Why are we not saying, though, Harry's not one of those two centre-backs coming out, like how was Sissoko done yesterday at Arsenal, coming out, puts her body on the line, mm. 
Then it's a risk. The way Iwabuchi was tracking back for James's goal, she was just gave up. She just let her run to the edge of the box and was like, uh, and then she pops a shot off. That's what I think. You've got to be, for a team, you've got to be hard to break down. Yeah, like, and that's what I like about West Ham with uh, Koncheski is that he was obviously a defender, but he makes his team hard to break down. Yeah, obviously, he, like he said yesterday, as long as we're not conceding, then you've got a very good chance. Um, but yeah, it's just, we don't highlight enough. Like I even think for Tottenham's uh, two goals, the defending from Chelsea was poor. Like none of, no one's picking up um, Beth England in the box. And then I don't know even what happened for the, what they was doing for the second goal, but I don't feel like we highlight enough. I feel like we credit so much to the forwards. Um, but as a centre-back, like you've got to pride yourself on putting your body on the line and, do you know what I mean, stepping out to the danger. And that's what I think Leicester didn't do is the awareness, the body shape. Like, Arthur ain't got a clue where Man City players are. Um, and, I, yeah, I just it frustrates me. Like, But being in that environment, because I'm certainly one, I mean, this happens all the time as well, because I spent a lot of my life watching QPR, who <laughs> my whole entire life have been terrible defending. So I sit there as a, as a pundit, as a, you know, often an armchair fan as well, sitting there thinking, just do the basics. But when you're in that environment, what is it like? Because if you are a Liverpool and they got a massive result against Reading at the weekend, we're probably not going to have enough time to touch on it properly. But if you're a Liverpool, if you're a Spurs, who I believe need to go back to basics, what are what are you working on during the week when you're in that environment, Jilly? Are they saying, right, defensive coach over there, we're literally just going to focus on marking at a corner or you know picking up players when someone's running into the box because sometimes I watch the games I'm like literally just do the bare minimum do the basics but certainly with Spurs this season with Leicester this season I've just seen terrible patterns and habits where like no one is doing the literally bare minimum yeah, and I think it's 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 always easy for us to sit there and watch the game and go. Like, Especially now you're not playing. <laughs> I watched my performance here with Tottenham West Ham. I think it was last season, and I was sitting there going, "Judy, what are you doing?" <laughs> it's hard as well when you're in the moment because you just you go into in performance mode where you might just be chasing the ball because yeah. you, that, that's what you feel like you need to do. But the bare basics is in the sense of like at Liverpool we'd do um, we'd do a split, so like the forwards and the midfielders would go one way, and then maybe the holding mid and the defense would go another way and we'd practice crossing or things like that but I just think attitude yeah and effort like they're two things that you you can't you can't train like do you know what I mean that they're in you like for example Lauren James's goal I know we keep talking about it, but if a centre-back has that attitude in them where they're like I'm putting my body in the line I will do anything to stop this guy. you don't though. need to be coached with that like, that, that's just that's just recognising the danger like you've got to recognise that like communication helps massively with defending because if I'm coaching the person next to me or talking to the people around me then my game should be a lot easier because if I get them right and get them in their positions right then I shouldn't have to really do much um, but it's about recognising recognising the danger there was one I think it was Leicester Man City where the ball come in and the centre back is just watching Bunny Shaw be free but there's no recognise that danger of I'm going to leave my player because that ball's not going to her it's going to Bunny Shaw's head and I'm just going to do my utmost to make sure she don't connect with it um yeah, it is, but I don't know whether there's a lot of focus on it in, in clubs, other clubs during the week, but it's just that attitude. I just, yeah, it, frustrate, it frustrates me watching it because I think that's as a defender, that's what you pride yourself on, you know, the body on the line, the toughness, the I'll take it in the face. Um, whereas I think, I oh, would well, anyway, but a lot of it changes now. I think 
defenders, uh, we talk more about the ball playing side of it in possession, being able to be comfortable on the ball, driving out from the back. What about the ugly side of it? That's what I'd rather have a defender who might not be technically that great on the ball, but I know is going to be like a brick wall. Amen. And also, if you're looking for some defensive coaching, Jilly is on the market. Yeah, I am employable. to be hired. <laughs> so if you want some of that um, unique advice, you know, you got to pay for it. Um, a few quick fire questions before I really want to briefly touch on England because the Arnold Clark's Cup squad is coming out on Tuesday. But James has asked... Lauren Hemp or Lauren James? Who you got, Becky? Quick fire. Lauren James. Lauren James. Lauren James. Sorry. Right now, in this moment, no. Two footed as well. She yeah. can use left and right. Um, like, no, no debate there. Um, Rich James is right. She's the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> he, he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying. Uh, another one as well. Uh, someone's asked: Is Mackenzie Arnold the best keeper in the league right now? Six clean sheets in ten games. Yeah, that is good. That is good. What are you thinking on your former West Ham teammate? No, I, I rate Maka. I really like her. Again, I think she's a, a player who, when she's got confidence, um, steps up. And like, she would have loved that game yesterday against us. I know she's playing against a couple of her fellow Aussies as well. So it's a sort of the pride one. I saw, you know, when Caitlin Ford did that ridiculous she lock. Tries to trip it over yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you won't be able to see this because it's a podcast, but Mackenzie Arnold went, yes, with her two arms. I thought that's so funny because that's your Australian team. <laughs> and a very good friend of yours you hang out all the time but you're like ha funny I in your feel face like, it, like if you play against like if we do like a derby within our team like it's it's a bit more aggy yeah. not aggy but like it, you know you feel like you can do those things against people that you know are just going to be like yeah. oh fine yeah I enjoyed that uh, want to really quickly touch on England before we go because squad's out very soon and maybe you'll be listening to this late in the week so the squad is already going to be out but it's been an interesting one since the Euros because there's been a few shifts. There's been a few players that have dropped out, a few players that have come in, some young players come in. We've seen Katie Robinson, uh, Maya Letizia, Lucy Parker called up, unfortunately had to leave because of injury. But Serena Vigman's certainly like playing around with things. And I don't know how you guys feel, but are you guys expecting a very conservative squad for this Arnold Clark Cup because the teams aren't as tough as they were last year that England are going to have to play. So if Serena Vigman does want to experiment, perhaps now's the time in a kind of mini tournament style or do you think she's going to refer back to the old reliable types that are always in and around? For example... Now Beth England's playing, is she going to be back in the mix having been dropped out for the last couple of ones? Or are we going to see her stick to some of what she'd built towards the end of 2022? I don't think she'll stick. She did that the last Arnold Cup, Cup, right? She played around with it a bit. And I think at the time I was a bit like, I've got the Euros coming up. Like, you need to like pick a side. And now I'd let her do anything she wants because she's an angel and she can do no wrong. But I think at the time I was like... Oh, it makes me a bit nervous that you're not like being consistent with a team when we're heading into a really big tournament. Um, but I think now's the time to just like give it a go, see what happens ahead of the World Cup. Again, all my trust in her. Do whatever you want, Serena. Don't care. <laughs> Julie, I believe it. Julie, do you think now that they're playing, because this was Serena Vivian's very clear on she likes to pick players that are playing every week. Do you think now that Beth England's starting, now that Jordan Nobbs is starting for Aston Villa, that they squeeze back into that squad? I don't know if it should just be a given because they're playing that they now get to go back in. I think obviously it's got to be performance based too. Obviously I've not really seen a lot of Jordan at Villa. Um, obviously I know they, they drew on the weekend, didn't they, against Brighton. It's probably the 
potentially their last chance to give some players a bit of a rest as well. Like there's going to be players that she knows what they're going to do. Does she necessarily really need to take them away to a tournament tournament format? Um, so could she potentially give them a rest as well? Um, she needs to know that this is the biggest tournament of the year <laughs> and uh, we are defending Stuff our, the World Cup. Yeah. Millie Bright is defending her golden boot honour. If we don't win the Arnold Cup this year, I will be furious. Also, especially with the quality of the teams, yeah. no offence, but if we don't, I'd be yeah. very I worried. I was surprised that we won it last year. Yeah. And when we won it last year, we did absolutely lose our minds and we yeah. were like, we're winning the Euros and look what happened. So I left my heart and mind at Molyneux <laughs> Stadium. I promise you that. It was, yeah, it was absolute scenes. So very excited that the Arnold Clark Cup is on the horizon because it means there'll be chaos all over social media and obviously we love chaos uh we're gonna be doing a live show on thursday if you haven't yet got your tickets it's going to be a little bit stadio a little bit righty's house and a little bit of counterpressed uh, it's going to be at king's place in king's cross if you go on counterpressed or stadio or righty's house twitter feeds you can find a link to the tickets i don't know if it's sold out so um therefore you should still get a ticket but we'll be there on thursday and we'll obviously be back this Thursday for our usual Thursday shenanigans. We're going to be taking a look at LGBTQ History Month, talking about gay icons in football. So do join us then. I think that's all the admin for today, Becky. Obviously, follow us on Twitter, underscore, at, uh, at underscore counterpressed, and at counterpressed pod on TikTok. Alessia Russo liked one of our TikToks, by the way. Was one of Jilly's, wasn't it? What was yeah. it about? Which Jilly one? Yeah. Um, I think about retiring. I don't. Not think the it one was about me coming out. <laughs> not, not about the not the one about you coming out, and not the one about your hair and legs. I think it was a serious. But one. it was funny because didn't we think it was right in the heat of the transfer case? Yeah, yeah. She was just like, like this video. <laughs> She's uh, just scrolling on to TikTok, waiting to see what's happening with her contract. And also, actually, shout out Alex Scott who enjoyed yeah. our book review of her book and told me live on Football Focus, <laughs> and I was like, ha, thanks. <laughs> I have to listen to it back to make sure that we didn't say anything. I think we were I, very nice about yeah, it. We I all loved it. I mean, I love, thank God we loved it because she listened <laughs> to know, the podcast. I was a bit worried. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, thanks for listening as always. Thanks for your questions. We got to some of them today, but we'll always try and get to as many as we can. And we will see you all on Thursday. <laughs>